to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody, to this Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 209. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is, well, uh, Sugarland, Texas. And we are back doing a Zoom uh, podcast. And the reason is we have a special guest. Typically, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys, each on our own spiritual journey. We feel that all men are leaders, leaders of your family, leaders at work, leaders in your church and community. but Sometimes that lead dog needs to be fed and spiritually recharged, so that's why we're here. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com or pray.com, we're glad you're joining us. And so at this time, we, we have a, uh, a packed show. We're going to go ahead and get right into it. I want to introduce the panel at this time. Uh, world-class policy writer and professional gambler. He is our show producer, Mr. Steve Ditch. Hey, Steve. Steve. Attorney and former prosecutor, uh, Michael Cropper, he could go ahead and defend you or throw the book at you. We call him the judge. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, Bill. Hey, guys. Uh, Corporate trainer for a Fortune 100 company and not one of those pansy Fortune 500 company. He's a kind of the group theologian. We call him the professor, Robert Koshu. Hello, hey, Robert. Robert. Hey, Robert. Insurance broker and uh, deacon, kind of a service-oriented guy. We call him Mr. Pink. Uh, he's from Louisiana. Don't hold that against him. Uh, that's Kyle Trayan. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Mr. Hey, Pink. Kyle. <laughs> and... And a special guest. Uh, normally, we don't. We're we're not pastors. We're just regular guys. So uh, we went to the board. We got a waiver for this one. He <laughs> is the senior pastor at Southland Baptist Church in San Angelo, Texas. Former executive pastor at Sugarland Baptist Church. He is the author of the text uh, for these scriptures in the Remarkable Journey Begins, which is the Baptist Way Press publication that we use great guy uh dr chris curran hey chris hello chris good to see all your faces yeah (laughs) i i have a question for chris and and he'll get a kick so have you been to a youth camp recently and could you convince them to give you more than one cookie well we had a youth retreat and uh yeah they, they, we, we we had we had plenty you can have as much as you want that yes take care you finally of. beat out the cookie nazi chris and i had the privilege of spending at a camp where we had a cookie nazi that would only let us have one cookie that's right, that's right. That's right. Ouch. Now, we, we fixed that problem folks we don't have any idea how robert fit this into the pot <laughs> it doesn't at all i just had this hard time uh, yeah, but only Robert does. And, uh, you know, one, one of the things I'm going to go ahead and we're going to uh, we have two uh, lessons that are uh, on tap for this week's podcast. And so typically the guys will uh, quote the author in, uh, and say something like the author said. And if you in the backgrounds, here's hear him say, no, I didn't. 
that's Dr. Chris Curran because he's the actual author of both of these lessons. So it is a privilege. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read the scripture. The first lesson is righteous anger. And it's uh, the scripture is Mark 3, 1 through 12. But um, not only welcome uh, Dr. Curran to uh, our broadcast, I just want to make sure everybody knows out there in the formative years, if it was not for the encouragement and leadership of Dr. Curran, Man Up not only would not be a podcast, probably would not have progressed as even being a men-centered ministry either. So on a personal level, thank you so much for the support over the years and congratulations on, on you becoming a senior pastor as well. Thanks, Bill. You're giving, me, you're giving me a little bit too much credit, but it was good to be there um, in those beginning formation years and looking forward to tonight. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. Uh, this is Mark 3, 1 through 12. He entered into a synagogue and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with a withered hand, get up and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples and a great multitude from Galilee followed and also from Judea and from Jerusalem and Edomium and beyond the Jordan and the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon. A great number of people heard of all that he was doing and came to him. And he told the disciples that a boat should stand ready for him because of the crowd so that they would not crowd him. For he had healed many with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around him in order to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, you are the son of God. And he earnestly warned them not to tell who he was. Chris, want to go ahead and uh, just turn it to you and uh, open on that. Well, uh, I appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm, when you asked me to come back on, I think I wrote this about a year ago about this time. So it's been a while since, since I wrote this. But I remember the passages that were assigned to me had to deal with the Sabbath. And, you know, this passage is following up from last week's lesson, which the first thing that got me is actually talking about the Sabbath at all, because in our Western mindset, there's no day that's holy. There's no day that's sacred. We'll do whatever we want seven days a week. And I remember asking myself, um, does the Sabbath even really be applicable to our modern day life? And I think like last week, I answered that. And then we got into today's lesson. And there were several things that in today's lesson, I remember we could talk about Um one is you come up with another Sabbath confrontation. So after we had the Sabbath confrontation last week, with the we, we now have a confrontation with um, the Pharisees who, who opposed him. Are any of y'all watching that movie, the, pod, the uh, 
Jesus movie, The Chosen? No. I have not, no. but I have thought about it. Okay, well, well you need to. They, they actually do, this passage is one of the ones that they look, they look at and they act out. And in the midst of it, he heals the man actually from the Gospel of John, but he heals him on the Sabbath at the pool of Bethesda. And the Pharisees get really, really mad at him. And he walks out of there, and his uh, disciples looked at him and said, Jesus, you keep doing things like this, you're going to stir up trouble. And Jesus looked at back at his disciples and said, I came to stir up trouble. Um, I, 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 I see some of that taking place here. And, and the one thing I wrote about, let's talk a little bit about the righteous anger. I think I wrote, God is never happy with the keeping of the letter of the law if it forces the person to break the spirit of the law. And I thought I might right. throw that out there and see if you see that in any aspects of our life. And what is the difference between the spirit of the law and the letter of the law? Well, this is something we've been talking about for the last few weeks, probably since, uh, certainly since he, in the, the passage where he heals the leper, it's not on the Sabbath, but we also read that he was indignant about the way the leper had been treated uh, and how that, how the law had been used to create a situation where this individual who was still in the image of God was ostracized, uh, pushed out of the community, marginalized, uh, shunned, feared, and perhaps the law was originally intended for community safety and health, and it had morphed into this way of dividing people. And I think that's, um, I think what drove Jesus's anger there, and we see a situation here too, uh, where I just noticed he, he's angry, but he grieves at the same time, which is something I think only God can do. Uh, you, you, you don't, you, there are two emotions. You don't always experience them at the same time. And today we also see that idea of, I, and, and last week I said, and I'll, I'll, I'll kick things off because last week I said, I think there are too many Christians with an Old Testament legalistic uh, standpoint who are too eager to, to apply law without compassion uh, or without understanding the intent or without seeing the intent. And I think that's, that's really important. I think it's worth picking up on the idea of the, what is intended by the law and where is that law here through Jesus's example administered with compassion and love versus the way it was given to us perhaps indirectly and, and, and uh, initially through, through fallible men who, who channeled God's word, but now we're seeing it in full dimension. Well, you know, Steve, the, the, the thing about it is the, the way we have to apply it to our lives. For example, Kyle and I, we both worked retail where uh, a Sunday uh, keeping the Sabbath holy was difficult when you have it on your work schedule. So my interpretation of it is that the corporate worship and community is important. It's not necessarily that particular day or time. And that has to be my real world interpretation of it because I have bills that I have to take that I have to take care of. So I, in keeping with like what you said, Chris, 
the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law is to get me to church, to be with like believers, encourage each other, as opposed with the actual law of being there on Sunday. Well, you know, I would like to pick up on what Steve said real quick. One of the things, I, I, what he said is, you know, I think people who kind of have that idea of legalistic, this is the God of the Old Testament, they, they forget a lot of the Old Testament. What does Micah 6, 8 say? What does God require of us? To love mercy, to act justly, and to walk humbly with God. And when I was writing this, writing this what I noticed is there aren't many places in the scriptures and the gospels where Jesus gets angry. And I think the question's worth asking, why is Jesus angry? And then compare why Jesus is angry to what gets us angry. And are we getting angry after the same things that makes Jesus angry? Or is our anger directed in, in ways that it shouldn't be? Does that make sense? It, it Absolutely. does. Well, it does. And, and what I find interesting in that particular train of thought is when you see Jesus angry, what you see is he's angry at the people that have misinterpreted the law or have taken the law or religion to their own advantage. So this instance, the money changers at the temple that basically set up shop in the place where women and Gentiles could worship, you know, those are the time we don't see him he doesn't get angry at the woman at the well. He, he doesn't get angry at the uh, woman that was in adultery and gets thrown out to him. He doesn't get angry at um, the thief on the cross. He doesn't get angry to the people that are crucifying him. He only really his just about Chris, correct me if I'm wrong or anybody else. If I'm not mistaken, the only time he's angry is actually when he is confronting really the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. Am, am I right? If I if, yeah. if I remember correctly, yeah, I think I think yeah. You know, he's he's constantly frustrated at the Pharisees, and Jesus gets angry at the injustice he sees in the world. I, you know, one thing I wrote in here was that Jesus's anger led to a person receiving life, while the Pharisees' anger led to a person missing out on life. And he gets angry when people are, are the injustices in this world are done. And the people who try to follow the law the most miss the boat the most, which scares us because anybody right now probably who has the time on a Wednesday night at seven o'clock to tune into a podcast might have more in common with these Pharisees in this passage than the person who's disabled. <laughs> Who's, who's laying down waiting for that. And it made me wonder, you know, we're, we're mad because something doesn't go our way right on the freeway, tra tra the traffic, or we get angry because we think somebody wronged us at the office. But, but how angry are we that 15 miles from where we live is dilapidated housing that no one's paying attention to? How angry are we that there's certain people in the world that don't have clean drinking water. How angry are we that sex trafficking and human trafficking still to be a huge problem? Um, if the author has to confess, if the preacher has to confess, too many times I'm angry about things that did not get Jesus angry. Hmm. Michael Cropper, you're going to chime in there. Oh, I'm listening. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no. Listen and learn. This, this is a, a, a Chris. The, the great illustration you have, of, and looking at lesson there is, is if you picture it, um, the the Pharisees are confronting Jesus with the unrighteous anger, and it's versus the righteous anger. They're facing off, and in this common thing that you said before, um, the, the the standards. First of all, I. I I think it's good to keep the Sabbath if you can't, but there are so many exceptions to it that they never wanted to see. What they essentially told Jesus when they were looking at the scripture was, they said, don't heal this guy today. Wait till tomorrow, right? Wait till, wait till the Sabbath is over. And that's not, that's not at all what God, uh, God wanted them to do. He, he gave three, um, many, many commandments in which he said, love your neighbor, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And Jesus went further and gave these ideals and these virtuous things. He says, if, if he says, for instance, don't, if, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. These are all standards. And the same standards were as a mosaic law and, and the 39 rules of the Mishnah. But those are to bend to the spirit of the law, as you have mentioned. They are to, they are to bend and they are to be moved aside if it's necessary to follow the spirit of law and God in the eyes of God. <clears throat> Pardon me. I thought part of this lesson though, is that the Pharisees were realizing that their whole profession was being ripped out right from underneath them. And this point in time, uh, the fact that Jesus did it on a Sabbath, just rip the heart out of all of their rules and basically rules are the barriers to entry that keeps you and your line and me in my line and that was the pharisee and that that was how that they they kept their position their power their wealth their reputation and but this was taking the whole hierarchy down uh, not just one of them, all of them. And so he, he was taking on the whole system. And, and with this one angry act, I think uh, it, it, it solidified the um, opposition to him. Well, I, I think what you also have to do is rem remind yourself the origins of that commandment of keeping the Sabbath of why the commandment was given and how the Pharisees messed it up. And if you think back to it, the commandment was given to them after spending 400 years in Egypt, 400 years in Egypt, working seven days a yeah. week, yeah, right. putting brick up day in and day out. They come through the Red Sea, they're wandering hmm. in the wilderness and God meets them and says, hey, I know how humans are. You're going to be tempted to want to go back, which they are, to what you always have done. But I'm giving you this commandment to keep the Sabbath and keep it holy for your own benefit. So that giving, keeping the Sabbath will give you life. Remembering that I am God will give you life. Then we jump up into this passage. Jesus gives life. The same thing the Sabbath is always supposed to do yet they missed it. And I know we're going to give the Pharisees a hard time. 
I just think sometimes we're not that far off from them. When we think we're trying to follow the rules, we're trying to be different, but asking the question, is what we're doing giving life to the world that we interact with day in and day out? Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take a break. This is Man Up. Podcast number 209. We will be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. Podcast number 209. We are just... We are going to do two uh, lessons this particular podcast. We're wrapping up Righteous Anger. We have, in addition to the regular panel, we have Dr. Pastor Chris Curran of Southland Baptist Church in San Angelo, Texas with us. The one who actually authored this particular lesson. One, want to go around the group one final time for a wrap-up on this uh righteous anger let's start with uh professor koshu yeah i i think like chris said from the beginning chris and i think that was a great point that we need to remember what we're angry about and why we're angry because i think it does it it's very easy for us to become angry at things of the world that don't matter you know it's easy for us to get angry that our favorite team got cheated out of something it's easy for us to be angry that we were, quote unquote, wronged at work at some point. But in reality, what we need to be angry is, is remember the things that God got angry at and the injustice that we see around us. And those are the things we need to remember to reserve our anger for. Excellent. Uh, Kyle Trahan. You know, I can see where the Pharisee kind of got into their their groove, you know, their religion was already threatened by Rome. And so, you know, they were allowed to continue. And so they, they really dug in and here was somebody of their own, you know, Jesus comes in and again, shaking up what they knew, you know, um, for the, for the lesson itself, Steve made a point. Um, that Jesus was disappointed. And, you know, I, I really, really, that resounded with me. Um, I think they were scared of Jesus and, you know, really fearful of what he was going to do to them. And that's where he was disappointed, that they were missing it. They studied the law. They knew the prophecies. They knew what was foretold of his coming. And it was right in front of their eyes and they were missing it. And I think that's the, the whole reason. I mean, I think that would certainly tick me off as well. Um, you know, if you, you're just there, please just open your eyes, open your heart to see me for who I am and not 
missed the boat. Michael Cropper, a couple of takeaways from you on this particular lesson. Yeah, Bill, we talked about this on, on Sunday. And of course, the, the first part of the lesson is there, Jesus facing the Pharisees and the Pharisees facing Jesus. Second part of the lesson is he goes about his merry way and he goes ahead and heals many, many more people. If you, if you go to the, uh, uh, the verses 7 through, I guess, 7 through 12, uh, Jesus goes out and meets the crowds on the Sea of Galilee. And, and guess what? Those people who are uneducated, they see who Jesus is. They can see it by his signs. So you ask yourself, and, then, and, and, and not only do they see it, but the demons see it too. Both they and the demons recognize who Jesus is. Uh, in fact, when you, the more educated you were, the more or less likely you were to recognize Jesus who he was. <laughs> this is fascinating, right? right? And then, so I ask these questions, and Bill, this has to do with what you brought up earlier. So why can't the Pharisees recognize Jesus? I guess because they don't want to. No. They are angry at him. He's right? a threat. Yeah. Right. right. They are blinded by their anger. Jesus, like you said, is turning the crowd's attention away from them. They are jealous and they are proud of their religion as it is. They like being hailed as leaders and teachers of the Bible, which they study. They like wearing fancy garments, which reflect their status and education. Right. And Right. And then finally, Jesus interrupts your status quo and tells him they've missed the whole point of serving God. And as Chris had said, love your fellow man, give your widows and orphans, respect your parents and love your enemy. And that's the takeaway man up. We need to do as men today and look for all those opportunities to serve God and the people who need it, need our help and need the Lord's help. Bill. Excellent. Uh, Steve Titch, a couple of takeaways so from this lesson. You guys covered it, but I guess to drive it home, the Pharisees thought they were the good guys. They uh, yeah. thought they were, they, they were the righteous ones and had all the answers. And well, we look at this in retrospect and they didn't, and they're kind of on the wrong side, but they didn't see it that way. And I think that's where we got to be very careful. We always got a question no matter how righteous we feel and check it against scripture and check it against prayer. Are we really on the right side on this, you know, on any particular question? Yeah. Uh, before I turn it over to uh, Chris to give uh, his summation, because it'll be awesome <laughs> since he wrote the lesson. No, I, I, I keep, I keep, uh, I keep thinking about, do you play to win or are you just a bad loser? And the the point of that is this were they uh keepers of the law to help people or to keep their own status above the people and i think that is that is the big question uh that i have in the takeaway from this and uh Dr. Chris, uh, your summation of this lesson. Well, I, I'm just going to point out one quick thing we didn't get a chance to talk with, and that's that verse that says, after their encounter, the Pharisees made an alliance with the Herodians. The Pharisees, those are religious leaders. Herodians are political leaders. And in our day and time and events <laughs> that have taken place around our society, we might just want to be where that anytime religious leaders and political leaders get in bed with each other, you know, we got a problem. That's, that's not, a different conversation. Not like that ever happens. 
Right. <laughs> Separation of church and state. That that. We could spend the we could spend the whole podcast on that right there. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a whole lesson in and of itself. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, that's called a rabbit hole, and we're not going down that one. And so, uh, <laughs> what I want to do is I want to continue on. And thanks so much. Excellent lesson. We're going to move right on. Uh, choosing the A-team was the title of this lesson. It's actually uh, lesson number 11. And the scripture is Mark 3, 13 through 19. And I'll go ahead and I'll just read that. And he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted. And they came to him. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. And he appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. To them he gave the name Bonagris, which means sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn it over and start with you, Chris, on this particular Choosing the A-Team lesson. This was by far the, my favorite lesson to write. There's two aspects of it, and let's take them both. First is the aspect, what is a disciple of Jesus, and what does a disciple of Jesus do? And then the second aspect is to look at the Motley crew and maybe glean anything what that means for our community. So when we looked at what is a disciple of Jesus, I've been around that I've gone through every discipleship program, every new <coughs> class that's come up, but I found it very interesting. Three things. A disciple of Jesus is someone who is with Jesus, who knows Jesus. Right there, I think I wrote, is simply to be with him. And so as men... Are we people that when people look at us, we're people with Jesus? You know he spends time with Jesus. You're just around him. He rubs off on you like being around anybody else. Two, the second role of the disciple was he sent them out to preach, to speak for Jesus, to share his word. And third, it says he, the disciples healed. Man, are we part of ministry? Are we in any healing? It's pretty simple what God has asked us to do. Be with Jesus preach Jesus, heal and do ministry in Jesus' name. That's what a disciple of Jesus is. And I think sometimes we make it a lot harder than what it really is. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go around the, the panel and get their impression of it. Start with the producer, Steve Titch. Well, we started talking a little about this again when we, we talked about the calling of Matthew and how, I hate to use a, a word, like diverse in this loaded day and age, but it is certainly a, yeah, well, Chris wrote it, a motley crew, if we want to be a little more facetious about it. Uh, you've got fishermen, tax collectors, uh, you've got a zealot. Uh, uh, so we do have even somebody who has, you know, a, a MAGA hat on, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 name your party, whatever. He's certainly, he's certainly a, a Jewish nationalist. And we've got a, a whole lot of we've got a lot of these uh, these personalities, and I kind of in my notes said, hey, we've got kind of the uh, 
the putting the team together, the guns of Navarone, the dirty dozen, a bunch of people with right. a, a lot of different types of personalities who are going to come together on a, on a cosmically important mission and either along the way deal with those differences, come to terms with them, but stay united behind one idea. I'm sure, I'm sure Peter, uh, a, a a working man who every day has to, you know, his living is based on his catch, doesn't particularly like Matthew who sits in a booth and basically skims money off everybody in the marketplace. I'm sure they took a little time to get used to each other. Uh, we never quite find out, but we know they stay together for the course of, of Jesus' whole ministry. And you wonder what all these uh, personalities were like. And I don't think, I'm going to say, I don't think, I don't think they were all, you know, Jesus' merry men. I think there were arguments, disputes. I think there were some lively conversations around dinner, around the campfire when they were traveling, uh, and maybe some disputes. Nonetheless, I think the point is they were able to work together toward a goal all 12 of them thought were, was important. Excellent. Uh, I, I wanted to just bring up the point, and I, I'm going to uh, defer to Koshu here in a moment. Um, this is a real human resources lesson. <laughs> and my, for example, my dad, uh, being a farmer, uh, he also worked in a factory. He would say this, I will hire attitude long before I'll hire aptitude. And the point of the matter is, is this, he would basically train anybody that had a good attitude. If you're hiring somebody with the aptitude, more likely than not, they will soon convince themselves and probably you that they're better than you and won't be around. But, uh, and that's what I kind of think that Jesus, when, when you look at the backgrounds of these, these people that he picked, they were doing jobs that were not easy. And they were the type of people that uh, were dedicated. And I think he realized he was going to need that kind of metal uh, for what uh, his ministry was going to be. And, and I'd like to bring in Koshu uh, on, on that. Yeah, I always, I'm kind of like Steve, I always find this to be one of the more interesting things about Jesus's ministry is the group he brings together, because he brings together a group that, A, is teachable, they have the right attitude, but he brings together a group that isn't what anybody else in the universe would have picked for the 12 people to come and spread the, the Christian religion, Jesus's religion to the world. I mean, these are guys that in reality, no one would have put together in a group, not a to a one would anybody, maybe James and Jean, James, John, Andrew and Peter, the four fishermen, they might've got together and them four been their thing, but no one else would have been included. That's for sure. You know, and, and I, I love the title, Chris. You know, I, ca I can't help but hear the song in my head from the A-Team TV show. I was just show. thinking the same <laughs> When I hear it. And because that was about a group that was unique. Each of them had a unique skill that they brought to every one of their missions. And this is somewhat of the same thing. This is a group of people who 
have very unique skills, very unique things. And then like Bill said, they're there with the attitude. They're there. They're willing to do the three things, Chris, you mentioned. They're willing to follow Jesus, be taught, preach Jesus, and then love the world. And, and you know darn well that Simon the Zealot had to have a hard time loving the world, you know, because, because he, his whole attitude was burn it all down. The zealots were burn it all down. We want it all, so we're going to burn it down. And yet he gets commanded to go love the world, and he does at the end of the day. Excellent. Kyle Trahan. Love thy neighbor, you know, and going forth and making disciples and preaching the gospel. It's definitely something we've lost in our current society. You know, certainly the love thy neighbor. Um, You know, Jesus wasn't referring, oh, go preach to these folks over here, but not those over there because they're different. You know, regardless of race, religion, creed, clothing, education, or, you know, financial status, you should be able to look at the individual without judging them and give them the benefit of the doubt that they are a child of God. They are a brother and a sister in that respect. And you should be able to honor them in the ways that they should be. And again, in our current society, I think we've, we've truly, truly lost that. Um, you know, for me, this whole, or the, the best part of it was what, uh, you know, the, the healing going forth and casting out demons and healing. You guys have heard me a million times. If any of the, the gifts of the spirit were to be true for me, the gift of healing to be able to say, as Jesus did that day stretch out your hand and be healed. You know, um, the people flocked to him just to try and touch him in the the last lesson, you know, and I, I can imagine, you know, you had leprosy and this huge thing. Well, that could be nothing more than psoriasis or something simple that we look at. Well, not necessarily simple, but something that is, known to us we know what it is we know there's a treatment but back then you may not know that and to have that ability that christ gave to his inner 12 go forth and heal i think is just one of the coolest things in the world excellent michael cropper yeah so i want to make sure i'm on bill <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, you're on believe me. you're on all right, living today compared to living 2,000 years ago gives us some uh, some tremendous choices, not of which is the least of that is, is picking the 12 apostles that Jesus did. As, as adults in today's standards, we choose our college we want to attend, we choose our profession, our occupation we want to pursue, our spouse we want to marry, our car we want to drive, our lake, location where we want to live, our friends we want to hang out with. and uh, But by the same token, we cannot choose other significant criteria by which we will live. For instance, which country we're born into, which ethnicity we are born into, which parents we have at birth, which gender we are born into, which gender our children are born into. However, However, the good news is that we can generally choose which people we want to hang out with or socialize with and in which church we want to worship Christ in. Now, 
Who would I, who would we pick for the A team? How do we pick team members? I'll tell you how I would have done. I would have done it by friends or skilled players, skillful players. I would have watched them if I could, if I had the opportunity. So would I have picked those 12? And by the way, Chris, as you mentioned in this lesson, the number 12, the, the reason for 12 apostles is very significant and right. very important, right? And we might touch on that in just a minute. Uh, we'll come back to that. And certainly you can bring that up too and point it out, Chris. Uh, the fact is though, do we really choose God or God actually chooses us? He looks at the heart when he chooses somebody and he determines the true character of the person. He looks to the future and he sees who the person will become. And guess what? Every one of us, we like to say we accepted Christ, but you know what? He called us to that opportunity to be accepted just like he did every one of those apostles. And that means more than anything in the world to me when I realized that because I thought, ah, I've accepted Christ. I have made him my own. But the fact is he called me and he wouldn't let up till I came to him. Anyway, uh, back to you. If you want to talk about 12 apostle things, that'd be great, Chris, too. Right. Bill? Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our, uh, our final break. Uh, this is Man Up Podcast 209. We will be right back. You're listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. It's brought to you by Man Up Media. I'm Pastor Chris Busher, and hey, I know these guys. Their podcast is gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Facebook under Man Up, and all other podcasts are archived on SoundCloud and now even on Pray.com app. They're not pastors, but they're very reliable, regular guys, and that's why their No Church Answers tour movement is growing so fast. So for the Uncommon Man by Equally Uncommon Men, contact ManUp at www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now back to the podcast and fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 209. We're so thankful that we have uh, Dr. Pastor Chris Curran, who is the author of both the lessons that we have been going over. And we're talking about <clears throat> picking the A team. And I think that's one thing um, about this particular lesson. Uh, it, it isn't in necessarily the scripture. I'm fairly certain that all of the disciples knew of Jesus. They knew of his mission to a certain extent before being asked. And to me, uh, Jesus at that point in his ministry was basically a rock star in the area. And everybody knew he was going up. Also, there was a bit of a dangerous appeal to him as well, because he was going against the religious authorities. Think of yourself being a man out there and seeing this opportunity and then actually having the opportunity come and ask you. I wouldn't say no. I don't know about you guys, and, I, and I'm curious to find out. How about you, Professor? I don't know. I think I'd have a hard time saying yes, because Jesus, I mean, I, I'll be the first to admit it. We talked about it when he called the first disciples. They basically left everything and walked away. So they obviously saw something. But, you know, hey, 
I, I like having that paycheck every two weeks. And, you know, I think that's something we always have to think about is that I really do that it, that, you know, fortunately he doesn't ask us to do that, but like Chris said, he does ask us to do something hard. He asked us to follow Christ, which isn't about legalism. It's about, you know, following Christ and trying to seek what his will is. But then he all had, he also tells you to go preach Christ, which can be really hard in today's world. And then, like you said, Chris, he, he tells you to go love the world. And quite honestly, there are a lot of people in the world that are unlovable. <laughs> and and those are the ones we're called to to love the most. Including maybe some of us on the panel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no doubt. No, no doubt. Hey, I'll throw myself on that at one. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, the the difference in this particular scripture and then something like us, I, I, I remember in a joke from uh, Pastor Phil, and he said that there was a farmer one time that received a vision that said PC. And so it the vision happened to him a couple of times in repetition, and the farmer says that means P. Uh, preach Christ so he sells his land he goes out starts a church falls flat on his face <clears throat> it's revealed to him that PC wasn't preach Christ it was plant corn <laughs> <laughs> the difference the difference being they were asked directly and to me that uh that holds a lot of weight and they would have known some of what they were getting into. But just like when we talk about this Man Up podcast, it's like it's taking the scripture, peeling the onion back a layer at a time. And I think being asked was just the first layer of the onion. Bill, can I jump in and say something? Absolutely. You know, the title of the lesson is The A-Team. The truth is, when you read the names, it sounds more like the C team. <laughs> right. And I think Michael hit it on the head. There's only one reason they're ever classified as the A team. Because Jesus chose them. Mm -hmm. And so right. if you're listening and you think of yourself as the B team, as the C team, and that's the world and you think the world puts you in the category of the B team or the C team, the only thing that matters is what Jesus calls you. Absolutely. Jesus calls you the A team. And I think that's important to remember because it doesn't, the world doesn't define who you are. Jesus defines who you are. And the second thing I think this passage convicts, at least convicts me as a pastor is, there's way too many of our churches that look alike, talk alike, think alike. That wasn't the case with the 12 disciples. Um, and maybe we ought to look around a little bit and, and, and see more how we can be like what I said, that Motley crew. Excellent. Uh, Kyle Trahan. You know, we've got six guys here on this panel, so we're half of what we're talking about for 12. <laughs> 
and I'm looking at you guys on the screen and, you know, I wish we could have been in person, of course, but, you know, the backgrounds and the things that we've done, the places we've been, the, the havoc we've reaped, you know, on this world, you know, think back to maybe one of your awkward stages or bad stages or, you know, a job you didn't like, what have you. And maybe that was the time that Jesus grabbed um, Levi or would have grabbed Mike. We've talked about you being in college, you know, before you came to to Christ. You know, I I see him coming to you. You're an 18 year old kid. And he just this weird, eclectic group that certainly found its way to work. They spent their time and learned from Jesus, which I can only imagine. I mean, we're still trying to, but imagine being able to sit there and break bread and listen to his sermons and ask him the questions that most of us will only long until we leave this earth to get those answers. And they were able to sit there and and ask whatever they wanted. Um, The funny thing is, I think Ford and, you know, he, he... condemns them some for not being able to see. And so even being as close to Jesus as you could get in the room with them, sometimes they still failed to see. And I think back to the last lesson of the anger, I bet you that made him quite frustrated as well, that even the guys that are with him day in and day out, that are learning the ways of God still had trouble getting the lesson. So how much more difficult is it for us to sometimes put those same practices into place? Excellent. Uh, Steve Titch. I like what we've been saying here. Uh, Anybody can be a disciple is one of the takeaways. Uh, These, to to paraphrase our uh, our own theme, these were regular guys. They weren't Pharisees. They weren't necessarily teachers, but they uh, all brought, along with their differences, gifts that would play into the ministries they would build uh, after the time they spend with Jesus. Now, we don't know much about all of them. We know Peter becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was the type of guy who'd just simply fly off the handle sometimes. He was always eager. He's either getting mad or jumping out of the boat and always eager. And he, he but yet that leadership was there and it eventually comes out. Uh, Matthew was likely multilingual. Uh, we know later Thomas is doubting Thomas, but maybe Thomas was the skeptic. Uh, the guy who always maybe asked some questions of Jesus. We again, we could only speculate on that, but we we think about these personalities, and we get a, a an interesting group, and I think that group can come to life for us, and we can imagine what a what a ride, what a ride it must have been, just the three years with Jesus, and then afterwards coming to terms with what they've experienced over those three years. Yeah, excellent. Uh, <clears throat> a takeaway from you, uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, Bill, I'm. Um, I'm thinking again. Once again, I, I, I truly believe uh, if we will listen, God will call us. And and of course, all of us have been called here in this in the podcast right now, at one time or another. And and 
we don't know where we're going from now, but we do know the one who knows where we're going now. Uh, we don't know what this country is going to be like in 10 years, 20 years, or what changes will be made. But we do, do know, we do know the one by which the authority is based on, and that's Christ, and that's God the Father, Yahweh. Um, when he called us, he looked at our heart to determine our true character of us. Um, I, I can't help but remember Gideon and, and uh, uh, different people. I think you mentioned the woman at the well and also the, the uh, lady that was caught in the middle of adultery. He knows their heart, number one. And when he chooses and when they call him, uh, Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, he looks at what we're going to be in the future. He doesn't look presently. Gideon was called, and when he was hailed, and the same thing with Mary, the mother of Jesus, when they were hailed by uh, Gabriel, he said, Hail, O great warrior of God. And, and, Ga and, and Gideon says, Who, me? And Mary, when Gabriel came to her, she, he says, Oh, highly exalted one of God. And, and she looked in puzzled. What? God sees our future, and he knows where he's going if we follow him. If we choose not to follow him, that, that's our choice. It's the will he gave us, being man. And, of course, we use that will to, to disobey him in the garden, in the Garden of Eden. And coming back to the, um, uh, the new covenant, Christ came to bring the new covenant, to bring us back to God, to bring us um, um, in back into a personal relationship with him, uh, because Adam had broken the covenant through the disobedience. And um, God, uh, my, my personal feelings here at this is God knew what he was doing when he called each of us. We may be in a confusing situation or going through difficulties. We do not understand, but we have to believe that God is there. And he knew all the difficulties would, we would face when he called us. And we have to trust him to guide and deliver us. So how can we go forward from now on? Trust in God. Bill? Excellent. Excellent. A takeaway from you, Professor? Yeah, I, I, I think it really boils down to making yourself available and being available to God and being willing really to learn from the teachings of Christ and to be willing to love the world. And I think what these 12 had was that one. Even Judas, I think, to some extent had it. At one point, a lot of people give Judas a bad name because, you know, we got that little tagline who betrayed him put on the end of him. I, yeah, I, sometimes I just think Judas wanted to hold another rabbit hole. I think Judas, I think Judas was trying to force Jesus's hand into something at the end. Right. You know, I could I fully think he went out, cast out demons, healed people, did everything else that the 12 disciples did. Excellent. As we come down to the end of this podcast, <clears throat> you may not realize this, uh, Dr. Kern, but uh, I usually go last with my wrap up so I can weasel out and not get criticized <laughs> by anybody. So, but uh, but since you're the author and you're uh, you're on this particular podcast, I'm just my takeaway from this particular lesson about choosing the 18th. If you're looking for an example of how to live in Christ, and you look at these 12, be bold and be a blessing is what I see for that. And that's my basic takeaway. And I want to thank so much, uh, Dr. Curran. Uh, one final takeaway from you. Oh, thanks for anyone who listened. And to know 
Jesus is calling you, choosing you to live a life with him. And it's the only life worth living. Thanks. Excellent. And thanks so much. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oysters for Men podcast. So on behalf of producer Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, Kyle Trahan, our special guest, Dr. Chris Curran. My name is Bill Cox, and we're on this No Church Answers Tour. So check out the new YouTube channel. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Pray.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can go to our Facebook page, which is at man-upspiritualoasis.com, and post it there. Be on the lookout. We're doing our first podcast live, so we'll be coming to men's ministry and conferences uh, in the future. Uh, We expect this to be absolutely awesome. So if you're unable to attend church, check out the Sugarland Baptist streaming service. It is at sugarlandbaptist.org. Starts Sunday at 9.45. But we want to encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and find a small group ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, and if you're in the Sugarland area, stop in Sugarland. If you're in San Angelo, stop uh, stop at the Southland Baptist Church where you can hear Pastor Chris Curran, and want to make sure that you join and uh, find a small group ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class, and find one that's men only. And if there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. been listening to man up you want the truth you can't handle the truth dedicated to the uncommon man created by equally uncommon men if i were the man i was five years ago i'd take a flame through to this place you can contact us on facebook under man dash up post questions and we'll answer them right here on the man up podcast